This podcast is an examination of the historical research of William Branham and his message cult following. William Branham was a minister in the gambling town of Jeffersonville, Indiana, just across the river from Louisville, Kentucky, as early as 1933. He came in contact with the Reverend Roy E. Davis, an official spokesperson for the 1915 Ku Klux Klan, and later Imperial Grand Dragon of the Ku Klux Klan. Davis introduced Branham to the Pentecostal faith and the art of faith healing, which would later be introduced into Branham's stage persona as he took his place among the evangelists in the post-World War II healing revival. Branham is credited by some as being a catalyst for the Latter Rain Movement and Jim Jones of People's Temple. This podcast is not sympathetic to the views of the Ku Klux Klan that William Branham held, but it is disturbing and warrants research. This podcast is an examination of that research. You can find more about this research and other topics on the website william-branham.org. Join us as we turn back the pages of time and examine the controversial issues of William Branham and his message. Like many of the the end-of-the-world prophets before him and many to follow, William Branham used world conflict to his advantage. With war looming and an uncertain future, people are very eager to find a spiritual way of escape to take their minds off of the world situation. At the beginning of the Cold War, when America was traumatized by the thoughts of Russia, Branham used Russia as a sign. In 1951, he says this, World War I, and notice which Bible he takes this one from. He says, and I did not know what he was talking of. He took the book and he put it under my arm. It was called The Mormon Word of God. I don't know what it was. It was one of their prophets of the Latter-day Saint, some bunch of them, as they claimed they see Nephilites. And back there on a hundred and long ago, it was on a certain page, I have the, I have the book in my library. Am I reading this right? It prophesied their prophet and said that in the last days, Germanys would have a, a ism called Nazis. And it went ahead and said, in that day, let W-I-L-L-I-A-M, William Branham, be called and set aside in humility for the service that I have called him to. That's right. Many people thought that the Second World War would be the end of the earth. Mankind, as they knew it, they thought would be no more. And this fear and unrest continued for many years. Branham got a lot of mileage out of it. But, from the Book of Mormon? Really? Let's take another example. The Anglo-Soviet invasion of Iran. When Russia goes down there to get that oil, look out! That's all she needs. That's what the prophet said it would do. And we're ready for it then. So church, get ready to meet Christ. He's sending great revivals and meetings and stirring up the full gospel people. Signs and wonders are appearing everywhere. Great wonders. Great wonders to draw his people together. One day he shall come the deliverer. Now ask yourselves, which prophet said that Russia would invade Iran 
to secure oil for planes, trains, and automobiles. And this was the sign that says we're ready to meet Christ? Let's take another example, Pearl Harbor. He says, brethren, it's later than you think. Sodom and Gomorrah little knew that night that they were living in their last hour. Little did Egypt know that the death angel had been predicted to come, would come that night. Little did Pearl Harbor realize that that raid took place. We are weighed in the balance and found wanting. We are near the end time. What would happen if they, right in Moscow, would direct them missiles guided by the stars and radar and land that bomb exactly in 4th Street in Louisville if they wanted to? That's right. I suppose Russia could attack 4th Street, Louisville, if they wanted to. But what strategically would that do for their cause? Wouldn't our fighter jets just intercept the missiles when they came? Was this a fear tactic preying on our hearts and the minds of the innocent? Let's take another example. Kennedy's election. He says, now look what happened now. And President Franklin D. Roosevelt took America to England's Tea Party. That's right, Germany never picked on us, we picked on them, throwing the whole world into a war to cause a world war. That's not true if you actually go back and study it, but this was one of the prophecies, so he, said, he had to say it like this. The Germans built the Maginot Line, which there, if any veteran knows, hear what she says, they took there at the Maginot Line. Women given the right to vote elected President Kennedy with the woman's vote, the wrong man, which they will finally be to full control of the Catholic Church in the United States. He says, then the bomb comes that explodes her. He goes on. He says that seven things predicted, five of them has already happened. He's speaking of the seven or six, depending on which version of the prophecy he tells, the seven or six visions of 1933. He is claiming right here that President Kennedy, Kennedy fulfilled one of those visions. In the next vision, that America would be in total annihilation, he says that's coming next because Kennedy's in office. He says, we're near the end. If five of them things happen, these other two things are bound to happen. It's just got to happen. It's very deep. This is just one of the visions. It's tied to the six or seven visions of 1933. And he says this vision is now fulfilled. He said next was the final vision, the one that America would be totally obliterated. In this case, it was complete annihilation from an attack from Russia, while the, Americas were in, while the Americans were in fear of Russia. Let's take one more. Nixon's election. The Pentecostal Church and the government officials all had breakfast. And Mr. Nixon, right there in Washington, D.C., and speaking a few days with some of the senators in my home. Did I just read that right? Mr. Nixon, right there in Washington, D.C., and speaking a few days with some of the senators in my home. If we don't believe it, his next words are, ask my secretary. 
these private interviews like we had this morning and what we have a morning where people come to find out what the Lord has to say, they stay there. We mean to wait there until the Lord speaks, not these little visions like you see here. I mean, you do them, but doctors and statesmen and congressmen and potentates from the world over. So, I have to say, this one takes the cake. I can see it now, all over the newspapers and TV. In other news today, President Nixon invited the state senators and congressmen and potentates and doctors to fly with them there to Jeffersonville, Indiana to have a cup of tea with a two-bit evangelist. Not everyone fit in the house, so lawn chairs were set up in the front lawn. Did Branham really think people would fall for this stuff? Let's take another example. This one is really takes the cake. The renovation of the Mosque of Omar. He says, but that abomination is the Mosque of Omar that took place of the temple that when you see the abomination that maketh desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place. See where the temple stood, the holy place, the Mosque of Omar. I actually question whether or not William Branham actually read his own Bible. He seems not to know it at all. Even the scripture, speaking of the abomination of desolation, speaks of this as a man. And it says that he would be seated in the temple. Not the temple itself. There's quite a bit that has to happen before that, none of which has happened yet, still today. In Luke, 20, Luke 21, Jesus gives a fully detailed account. One that comes directly from the mouth of Christ not some false prophet who took advantage of people's fear in world events. Jesus foretells the destruction of the temple. He says, it says, And while some were speaking of the temple, how it was adorned with noble stones and offerings, he said, As for these things that you see, the days will come when there will be not one stone left upon another. And they asked him, Teacher, when will these things be, and what will be the sign when these things are about to take place. What better place to see if William Branham's teachings line up with the Word of God than from Jesus Christ himself? Let's see what Jesus says about the coming day of the Lord. And he said to them, See that ye are not led astray. For many will come in my name, saying, I am he, the time is at hand. Do not go after them. Uh-oh, Houston, we have a problem. Jesus just told us not to follow William Branham. Let's reread that part again. Do not go after them. He said, Jesus continues, When you hear the, of wars and tumults, do not be terrified. These things must take place, but the end will not be at once. I much prefer the way Jesus says this about the end time than what William Branham said. Jesus didn't say, watch out, a bomb is headed for 4th Street, Louisville. Jesus said, do not worry. The end will not all be at once. He said to them, nation will rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes in various places and famines and pestilences. 
Okay, so we see the wars. We see the nations rising against nation. Got that part. Earthquakes, we see that happening. Famines and pestilences, signs of the times are all around us. Is this the end? Was William Branham correct? Did the world end with a bomb when Kennedy was elected? Let's continue. Jesus says, And there will be terrors and great signs from heaven. Before all of this, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up by the synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors for my name's sake. This will be your opportunity to bear witness. He's telling the people that the persecution is good because you will bear witness of Christ. Settle it therefore in your minds and do not meditate beforehand on how to answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be delivered up even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends, and some of you they will even put to death. You will be hated by all for my name's sake, but not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance you will gain your lives. Looks like we have another problem here. I'm not seeing too many signs from the heavens yet, and I don't think the persecution has started. Branham said that the elect would be taken off the scene before this happened. So let's keep reading. Jesus says, But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation has come near. Let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains, and let those who are in the city depart. Let not those who are out of the country enter it, for the days, these are the days of vengeance. To fulfill all that was written, alas for the women who are pregnant and those who are nursing infants in those days, for there will be great distress on the earth and wrath against this people. They will fall by the edge of the sword and be led captive among all nations, and Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Wait a minute. Until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled? I thought Branham said we would be gone before all of this. I don't see Jerusalem trampled by the Gentiles yet. I don't see the world raging war against Israel yet, although it is getting very close. Here's where we finally get to the coming of the Son of Man. He says, And there will be signs in the sun, in the moon, and stars, and the earth distress of nations and perplexity because the roaring of the sea and the waves, people fainting with fear and foreboding what is coming on the world, for the powers of heavens will be shaken. And they will see the Son of Man coming down with a cloud, with power and great glory. And when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads, for your redemption draws nigh. Redemption is drawing nigh. It seems like this is a song that William Branham used to sing after one of his wonderful prophecies about the end time. How he'd be called up to glory before all these terrible things happen. Yet, I don't see any signs in the sun. 
I don't see any signs in the moon. I don't see any signs in the stars other than a comet here and there. I don't see the waves roaring and crashing because of the moon's lack of control in the tide. Most of all, I don't see the Son of Man coming down with a cloud and a power of great glory. And he told them in a parable, Look at the fig tree and look at the, all the trees. As soon as they come out in leaf, you see for yourself and you know that summer is already drawing near. So when you see these things take place, you know that the kingdom of heaven is near. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all this has taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Listen to what Jesus says here. He's telling us to look for these signs. Not some crazy signs from a guy who's talking about President Nixon visiting Jeffersonville. Jesus is telling us to look what he Jesus Christ is saying. Let's see if Jesus tells us that there will be a little bride who escapes all of this. He says, but watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life. And in that day when you suddenly come on you like a trap. For it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Let's reread that. For it will come on all who dwell on the face of the whole earth. But stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all of these things that are going to take place, and to stand before the Son of Man. Jesus is saying exactly what we're saying here right now. Wake up! This is coming. This is coming for all who dwell on the face of the earth. Wake up! As Christians, we should ask ourselves, are you awake? Or is some false prophet lulled you to sleep by programming your minds with false teaching? Are you counting on not being here when all of these things happen, when Jesus just said that we would be here? Do you remain programmed like a drone because you think it doesn't matter? The biggest question of all in my mind, did William Branham even open his Bible? None of it matches the scripture. Yet we have two to four million people following it. Wake up.